you've found the Rock Hesperia and are on your way to building a solid life. We make disciples here. If you, your children, or anyone comes to Jesus, hears his sayings, and does them, your life will become solid. So let's get to it. Well, good morning again. I'm excited to be with you, to be sharing this message, bringing the Word of God to you. Uh, It feels like we've been in a sort of limbo for a long time, hasn't it? I mean, if you're anything like me, you felt like, well, what's happening? (laughs) And do I have traction? Am I going anywhere? Am I running in place? You know, what's happening? And so if you've been waiting for that kick in the pants, here it is. We're all kicking it into high gear today. And so I'm excited to bring you this message. Gather your people around you and say, let's give our attention to the Lord and to his word. But if I don't do this Bible declaration today, someone is probably going to throw me out of this place. So let's hold up our Bibles and make this declaration together as we posture ourselves before the Word of God to hear Him and do what He says. This is my Bible. It is God speaking to me. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. So I open my heart today to hear God speak a word that will change my life forever. Amen. So today I'm asking you to listen very closely, listen carefully, pay attention, catch every single thing that God is speaking to you personally, because just like the children of Israel who were promised a land, so too are you promised a very good land, a land full of all the promises God made to you that are still waiting to be fulfilled. He still is like, I got them. But you have to dial into this thing in order to get it. I'm going to show you how to cross over into this promised land. In fact, that's the message today. It's time to cross over. Part of the series, Your Promised Land. So open to Joshua 1 and John 15. Joshua 1 and John 15. Despite God having a promised land for all people, most people will never get it. That's right, God has good plans for everybody, but even though he's made these plans, he's gone to all the trouble, right? Most people will not receive God's good plans for them. Terrible, right? But somebody say, not me. Now, I'm not one of those people. I'm going to latch on and hold tight to everything that God has for me. And I'm going to run after it. Come on, say it. I'm going to run after God's plans. Amen. Amen. God's people... You remember in uh, the book of Exodus, they were led out of Egypt and everything, and they're led into the wilderness. They're walking around, and they end up costing themselves 40 years of walking around until a generation has to die out. It's like, why do these people have to die? Because they're never going to cross over into the promised land. And God says, I can wait you out. I don't want to, but I can wait you out. And the people that you thought, oh, I'm bringing you out here to kill you, your wives and your little ones and all this. No, no, no. I'm going to let your kids get in. And so don't think for a second that God is heartless. No, he has great plans for everybody. We just have the responsibility to grab onto those things and say, yes, Lord, I want it. Let's have it. (laughs) Let's cross over. And so would you open your Bible to Joshua 1, verse 1. It says this. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, It came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them. And incidentally, I want you to read yourself into this. You're being given a promised land right now. Now, continuing on in verse 3. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. 
As I said to Moses, from the wilderness in this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, and all the land of the Hittites and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. Does it sound like God wants you to struggle or does it sound like God wants you to prosper? If you said prosper, you're right. (laughs) Tell them what they won. He wants you to prosper in everything that you do. Every place the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. You're going to divide the land up as an inheritance, the land which I swore to give. I'm obligated. I'm committed, the Lord says. I'm waiting to do it. I want to do it. Only be strong and very courageous. In fact, as I preach this, I'm reminded of that word. Somebody gave a prophetic word to us as we were uh, considering re- uh, accepting this appointment up here as lead pastors to the Spirit Campus. And they said these words, only be strong and very courageous. And so I'm hearkening back to that. The Lord has had this plan to bring us through the wilderness, out of some bondage, out of the, the heavy taskmasters and uh, such And now we've been led through this wilderness for however long that's gone on, but certainly this past year has felt like a wilderness. And now he says it's time to cross over and not just into any old thing and not certainly not back. We're not crossing back over into Egypt. We're not crossing back over into slavery and bondage. No, we're crossing over into the promised land, the land that has God has prepared for his people right here, you and me. And it is time to cross over. Amen. Someone may say, well, well, now, now, (laughs) right now, right now. Yes, right now, right now. (laughs) When I say now, I mean now. Any parents out there, you're like, go do this now. And it's like, it doesn't get done. It's like, didn't I say now, (laughs) right? Am I taking crazy pills? I said now. And the Lord is saying right now. Uh, Any Van Halen fans out there, right now. You know, this is, we have got to get about our father's business now. Because he's saying there is a time and the time is right now. Weeks before I was studying and preparing this message for you, this word came up in my heart that I hadn't thought about for a long time, probably years. And it's this word kairos, this kairos moment. And Pastor Jerry, in in teaching through this message, he used a word and guess what it is? Kairos, that's right. The very same word. And even though I hadn't thought about it for a long time, here it comes. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is speaking something to all of us. And and many times, of course, we would say when something like that happens, because it's not like we believe in luck, you know, or it's not like we believe in coincidence. No, the Lord does things intentionally. And so we would say, hey, it's the same Holy Spirit moving us toward his promised land and toward ours. Amen. So I want to let you know that this is a kairos moment, kairos, an intersection of time. 
a place where things meet and happen. Uh, this is where it clicks in. It's a specific time. The Bible de- describes it as an opportune time or uh, a good time. <laughs> Look, there, these are things that you cannot plan. You can't plan for these. You can't orchestrate them. I was thinking about Groundhog Day. You couldn't plan a day like this. Well, you could. It just takes an awful lot of work. <laughs> Kairos moments are not like that. There is no way that you can plan all the little pieces that God orchestrates together to bring you to this moment where he wants to change things in your life. And so I hope you're getting excited like I am. You just got to enter into what God is doing when a Kairos moment comes. And so here it is. It's used over 80 times in the Bible. And a lot of times it's translated time. But sometimes it's season or due season or a certain time, an opportunity and an opportune time. But Let me give you an example of where we see this in Luke 4.13. It says, now when the devil had ended every temptation that he was putting on Jesus, right? When Jesus is out there fasting 40 days, hungry, vulnerable, and, and maybe susceptible to some attack from the enemy, the devil tries to get him. Now when the devil ended every temptation, he departed from him until kairos, until an opportune time. That's that word. The devil's like, all right, this is the time I can sneak up on Jesus and get him and maybe get him to bow down to me and give me the thing that I really want. And, and I'll give him temporarily everything that he wants in his little short life here on earth. And he'll, it'll be costing him all of eternity and all of his daily delight. Look, Jesus doesn't fall for it. Even though this is what seems to be a Kairos opportune time, the devil's like, no, it wasn't. I got to come back at a different, a different Kairos or something because this did not happen. Jesus ain't no sucker. He did not fall for the devil's schemes. Remember, the devil is always walking around seeking whom he may devour. But Jesus was not going to let him devour that day. And in fact, the devil didn't much less devour. He didn't even let him get a bite in. He wasn't chewing or gnawing on Jesus. Nothing. Jesus would not stand for it. He knew the word and the word. He said, the devil said and Jesus said, and the devil said and Jesus said, and the devil said and Jesus said, and the devil left. (laughs) And that's how we need to be. We've got to know this word. And when the devil comes, say, no, that's a lie. That's a lie. You know why? Because the word says I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. The word says I'm forgiven of every sin. The word says I've got a promised land he's leading me into. The word says God prepared great plans for me in advance that I should walk in them. That's what my God says to me. I don't know if you're getting chills, but I just got some. This is exciting. When you and I use the word like Jesus did and the devil flees. Amen. Amen. That Jesus never gave the devil a Kairos win. Never. But Jesus always submitted to Father God what he was saying, what he saw him doing. And he obeyed. And that's why Jesus got all the results that he got. Amen. Who knows that God, our Father, our good Father, every good and perfect gift comes down from God, our Father. He knows every Kairos moment. And he can maximize these things in your life if you let him for our highest good, just like he did with Jesus. Amen. Someone say, the kingdom of God has opportune times. The kingdom of God has opportune times too. I need to share a clip with you before I get back into this message from our church's pastor, our senior pastor, Jerry Dearman. And it's fully illustrating the scope of God's activity among us. 
I'll pick up the message afterwards, but you need to hear this directly from the primary leader of our entire organization of these ministries. Remember, this isn't just history. No, it points us directly to this Kairos moment we're experiencing now and what's happening among us, what God is calling us to for you and for me to cross over into our promised land and not just, but for us to lead others to cross over into theirs. Amen. Listen in. Let me go back to an excerpt from my journal. I wrote this. Here's what I hear the Lord saying. Moses, my servant, is dead. The way churches have done ministry in America is over and it will never be the same again. Okay, so that's what I wrote. Let me just talk to you about that for a moment. Moses, my servant, is dead. The way churches have done ministry in America is over. It'll never be the same again. Let me tell you what I didn't mean or think about. I didn't think that all of the church campuses in America were just going to be suddenly closed and nobody was going to be able to meet like that. We know that COVID forced people out of the church and such. I didn't think that. But what I did sense strongly from the Lord was it's never going to quite be like it was before. It's still, even with open churches, even with campuses and so on, it's going to be different than it was before. I just had this knowing, this is what God was saying, don't go back and look. In fact, so many uh, uh, people, pastors included, are thinking, I, I can't wait till it gets back to normal. The Lord was saying to me on May the 7th, it will never go back to that normal. There's going to be a new, fresh way that I do things, but it's not going to be that old way that we were doing things before. Moses is dead. So let me go back to my journal. I wrote this. I don't know how I know this today, but today is the day. May 7th for me in my heart was the day that I had to cross over. I wrote, it also just so happens that today is the third of, of three initial trainings to launch house churches for the rock and solid life. So that, that particular day, May 7th, we were having the third of three trainings to launch house churches. I wrote something big is going down today uh, in the spirit. And I declare in the name of Jesus Christ that I am crossing over. In fact, I declare that I have now crossed over in Jesus name. I am now possessing the real promised land in the land of milk and honey. The land which the Lord our God is giving us. As I type this and declare it aloud, I sense the Holy Spirit on this word as strongly as I've sensed on any word, including the word in January 1999 to start a church. Glory be to the Lord our God, who is leading us and causing us to now possess the promised land and to cause others to possess it for the glory of Jesus Christ. I heard the Lord say this, and this is the last thing that I'll read out of my journal. All of the miracles you've experienced so far were wilderness miracles. And all of the promised land miracles are still ahead of you. In other words, we have great testimonies to share because God has shown his might. You know, he delivered us out of Egypt and so on. Well, in our lives and ministries, we have great testimonies. However, God said those were wilderness miracles this season. I mean, in the darkest time, just like the darkest time for the children of Israel, uh, coming out of Egypt, they cried out to the Lord and God did this, these great miracles to deliver them. In the darkest times, God shines the brightest. And so this is what the Lord is telling us. Hey, 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 did you catch it? All of the miracles you've experienced thus far are wilderness miracles 
and all of the promised land miracles are still ahead of you. I've still got them for you. Will you cross over? The Lord is saying, beckoning us, calling us into our destiny. Look again at Joshua 1, 2. It says, Moses, my servant is dead, Joshua. Moses, is the old thing is dead. I tr- Look, I was going to do it with them. They would not. You're in charge now because Moses is dead. I'm appointing you to this task, Joshua. All right, now back to the actual scripture. Not the amplified Jeff version. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, now arise and go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Four parts to this. Number one, Moses, my servant, is dead. What are you going to do? Follow Moses now? Don't try to follow the old thing when I'm doing a new thing, God says. Moses, my servant, is dead. Joshua, you're in charge now. I'm telling, I'm going to be with you just as I was with Moses. I'm going to tell you exactly what to do, how to lead these people, how to get them to cross over into their promised land and not stay stuck in the wilderness like they've, most of these people have only known wilderness all their lives. Man, that's a fresh revelation from God right there. I did not plan that in my notes. Thank you, Lord. Most of the people don't have a clue about what the promised land can be because they've never seen it. They don't know how good God wants to be to them. But I'm telling you today that God wants to be so good to you. Listen, listen to this message, please. God has a good promised land for you. But you've got to be willing to cross over into it from the only thing you've ever known. The thing that's felt safe and secure and the thing that you like. And he's saying, yeah, but I'm doing a new thing and it's way better over here. If you just ah, get yourself to get over that line and come with me over here. Let's follow the Lord today. The way things got done, the day to day, the previous way under the rule of Moses. Joshua, that's all over. Joshua's coming in now. And he's saying this is a new day. I'm ushering in a new season, new methods, fresh revelation from God. Same with us. Hear what God is telling us through his word, by his spirit. He's saying the way churches in America have done ministry is over. It's over. It'll never be the same again. Never. Since May 7th, 2020, I've heard many experts confirm and I've read articles and books and all of this is saying the same thing. It's showing us the same factual data. And in this era of, you know, who's truth? No, no, look, data, facts, right? This is the truth. David Kinneman from Barna Group and Research and Tom Rayner, the former president of Lifeway, uh, that though campuses have and will open again, praise God, things will never be the same as before. Our campus is going to open again, but it's not going to be the same as before. Kerry Newhoff said, this is not merely an interruption. This is a disruption. Roy Moran said concerning COVID-19 and the economic, political and social effects, it's not just a storm or even a hurricane. This is a cataclysmic event. David Kinneman said around October 2020 that based on their research, 20% of churches in North America will close. And we've seen it even in our area. We know this is true. Churches are closing, but not us. God has sustained us. And I, I believe that I know why. I'll share it with you later. But churches are closing and will remain closed, unfortunately. Unable, unwilling to cross over into this new Kairos moment. These assessments continue to be confirmed as time goes on. But despite all of the costs, I mean, think of the prices that you've paid during COVID, right? Financial cost, 
the cost to children and their education. You know, some people are really struggling. They cannot get this Zoom thing. You know, it's, it's not clicking. I understand that. I need a certain way to be taught. There's, there's a lot of prices that we've paid, paid in the church in America, paid with people falling off to the wayside because they, they can't do that thing that they associated with Jesus. It's almost like the building and Jesus are like equal, you know, and it's like, if I don't have a building, I don't have Jesus. And of course, that's not true. And we know that's not true. And we've stuck it out and we've hung in there and he's shown himself good to us. We've experienced wilderness miracles, but you know, these people, they're like, I just can't, I can't do it. And so God will, God will move in their life sometime when they allow for it and praise God. But he is doing something here with us. We've, but we've paid the price in many areas and we felt it. And it's not always pleasant, right? It's not always pleasant. But not only did we just survive and make it through this season, we have thrived in this season. We have thrived. And I'm... I'm going to testify some good things to you about that. But among other things, God began instructing Pastor Jerry in January 2020 to start pushing the ministry of the church down into the homes. That's a direct quote. Start pushing the ministry of the church down into the homes. He announced that publicly on February 6th, over a month before COVID-19 was declared this global pandemic. So we have to understand this new season. Then we can receive instruction about what to do within it. So now on to number two. What was number one? Moses, my servant, is dead. The way the church has been done is over. Number two, now therefore arise and go over this Jordan. You got to go over this Jordan. There's, there is something in between where you are and where I'm leading you. You got to get through that. You got to get past that. So now, right now, even today, Pastor Jerry heard, is the time to arise from the old way and the old wineskin of ministry and to cross over the Jordan into a whole new season of possessing the promised land that God has been speaking of all along. He knew that God was telling him that he had to completely let go of the past season with all its successes, completely let it go and begin working only on the future, only on the promised land of the people. This is what we've been diligently focusing on all year. I'm telling you the meetings that I've been in <laughs> and the processing that Pastor Jennifer and I have done together before the Lord and just considering, God, what are you saying? What does it mean? What are the implications of this? How do we roll with you so that we're taking full advantage of this moment? You know what we haven't done and what I encourage you never to do is be like those people who just stayed and had to die out in the wilderness, complaining against God and his plan, complaining against the leader that God set up over them and all that. When are we going to go back to the old way? Why can't I have it like I used to have it? Blah, blah, blah. When can we get back to business as usual? I had my groove. You threw off my groove. <laughs> Anyone see the emperor's new groove? You threw off my groove. Don't throw off the emperor's groove. Look, Pastor Jerry told us that God was calling him in his heart of hearts to cross over on that day. You have to cross over in your heart before you can make any progress. Once we embrace that as individuals on a personal level, then we can share that vision with others. Well, with who? That brings us to number three. You and all this people. God is not trying to leave anyone behind, 
but people will remain behind sometimes. Isn't that true? Uh, you, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. What I'm trying to do today is what Edie says. Yeah, but you can salt his oats. You, know, you, you can make his mouth so salty. I need a drink. Someone give me a drink. I need some cool, fresh water. That's what I'm trying to do. God says, take everyone with you. This is not just for leadership of the church. Everyone must cross over. Some of you have already crossed over right along, right in step with us, you know, as we've initiated this or that. Praise God. But for those who haven't, today is your day to do that in your heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You know, faith comes by hearing the word, right? Your faith is reinforced and you continue moving down the path God has for you as a self-fulfilling positive prophecy, a self-blessed cycle. It's time to cross over and believe that God has something, not just for me, not just for Jen, not just for the church, for you. He has something good for you in this new season. He has the fulfillment of his promises for you. Amen. So where are we all going? Number four, into the land that I am giving to them. I am giving to them. Not I'm going to give someday. No, it's again, now, right now, right now. I'm giving to them, the children of Israel. The new ministry, the new wineskin, the promised land is not for we, the pastors and leaders, as if we're some echelon or whatever. This is not some like high echelon for the pastors or whatever. You're already in an upper echelon. There's no echelon, right? You're the echelon. God has exalted you and raised you up. He said, I'm giving you the land. Get after it. Possess it. Enjoy it. Live it. Love it. Gotta have it. Amen. Amen. This is not just for the pastors and leaders, it's for the people. God has called you and given you ministries and destinies that you must pursue and fulfill. That's your promised land. Our promised land as leaders is to equip you and to see you fulfill your destinies in the Lord. Amen. When you do, we do. When you win, we win. When you cross over, yet we cross over. Uh, well, some leadership book said leaders eat last or whatever. You know, look, everyone's got to get there. And it's like then the leaders can be like, all right, now we're all in. No, we didn't leave anybody that, that wanted to come. You know, we have not lost any. I'll get to that scripture soon. My job as a Joshua of this moment and our job as leaders is to help you cross over in your faith. Not to look at all this like such a horrible thing and what's God doing and he's, maybe he has no plan and maybe we're just out here on our own. No, no, no. Do not be deceived. God is in full control of this thing and he's speaking to us. He already knew this before it all came to pass. No matter what it is, he knew it. He knew it was coming and he's got a plan to lead us through the promised land even still. When he prepared those perfect plans for your life, by the way, he knew this was coming. And so he is not surprised, he's not shocked, he's not put off. He has a plan and he has the ability to do it. But we need to help you to believe to the point of action that God has something for you and for us together. The first generation out of Egypt never crossed over in their hearts. In fact, they kept thinking about the good things in Egypt, somehow forgetting that they were mistreated slaves back there also. Oh, but the meat, like, I don't care, I give up meat. If I could also get, if it meant giving up slavery and giving up meat were, had to be happening at the same time, no problem. I'll give up meat. Thank you very much. I'll eat cheese enchiladas. You know what I'm saying? It's fine. It is fine. But for Joshua and the second generation of Israel, they had to cross over first in their hearts. But once they did, the time came, that Kairos moment, the opportune time to actually physically cross over. 
I want to say to all of our ministry family, our ministry partners and our friends, this is it. This is the Kairos moment. You're hearing it come out of my mouth today. We are in it. We have come upon it. God has brought us to this intersection, this time where we say, I recognize this as a moment. This happened, this happened, and we meet here, and now we get to go forward. It's time to cross over. I want to extend this analogy a little and show you some deeper truths from Jesus. Remember, we were talking about the new wineskins, new wine and new wineskins and all that. This is revelation about God's plans for our ministries, how we operate in this world and how we're going to win people to Christ and disciple them. Now, Jesus presents where the wine comes from, people, his people, you and me. Wine comes out of grapes, from branches which grow on vines. Okay, you, you, you know how <laughs> wine gets made. Um, not like the I Love Lucy sort. I, I can't, I'm not a wine drinker, so maybe it's because people are stepping on grapes. That freaks me out, but whatever. Look what Jesus describes here <laughs> and remember the value of people in this analogy. In John 15, verses 1 and 2, let me get there in my Bible. John 15, 1 and 2, Jesus says, I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Hold on to that. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. Why? That it may bear more fruit. That it may bear more fruit. Jesus said every branch that bears fruit, Father God is pruning, which is not always comfortable to us. But he's pruning. Why? So it can bear more fruit. Because God told us to be what? fruitful, and multiply. God is interested in fruitfulness and multiplication. He prunes us for an important purpose so we can bear more fruit. Father God sees a fruit-bearing branch and he doesn't leave it alone. He says, I know how to remove things from that branch that will help that branch to bear even more fruit. Praise God. I've heard people share some concern about what's been happening with our own congregation. And the simple fact is some people that we know and love have gone elsewhere and in this same time, God has led others that we haven't known into our ministry. Praise him. Praise him. He knows what he's doing. He knows how to prune fruit-bearing branches so that they can bear more fruit. I hope you catch this today. It's taken me a little bit of time to process some of these deeper truths as I look at the analogy and I look at what Jesus is really saying. But oh, the more time I spend in God's word, the more settled I am and the more thankful I become for all of these plans, even when at first blush, I'm like, I don't know about that one, Lord. You know, he's like, no, 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 trust me. It's for your benefit. It's because I love you. I'm doing these things. So see it my way. Don't just see it your way. I want to be very clear here. God sees our hearts here at the rock. There's a different spirit. There's a, there's a different way about us here. He sees that spirit and our passion to be about his business of making disciples of every people group. And he has purposefully pruned this fruit-bearing branch in his sovereignty for our benefit. God is actively helping us to be more fruitful and not be distracted or derailed by anything that could be a drain on his resource to fulfill the Great Commission as he directed. Many churches in North America, including in our own desert region, have no interest in making disciples, but rather growing big churches. Ever notice how Jesus never said, yo, go build yourself a big church now? Jesus never said, go build big churches. I want you to breathe in this truth 
and breathe in the comfort that comes along with it so you can breathe out praise for what God has done for you. Amen. He, he intentionally moved people around so that we are able to fully cross over into our promised land. Amen. The truth is if the branch is not pruned, it is likely to bear less fruit than before, not more. But if we willingly allow God to prune us, this branch will bear more fruit because he intentionally pruned some things. You may have to wrestle with this for a while. I know I did. But here I am coming back to the word and God made it so clear. And now I'm full of praise and thanksgiving. In fact, it would actually be appropriate for us to thank him and praise him. I'm tempted to just have a whole other worship service again because I am convinced. I am fully convinced that God has done things on purpose for our benefit so that we can cross over in, into the promised land he made to us, not of our own invention. I'm not interested in inventing a promised land. That's going to be far lacking from what God has for us. But he doesn't ever trim more than is necessary either for the fruit-bearing branch to flourish. Oh, he's precise. <laughs> when I was a kid, I'd just go out there, stop, 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 stop. You know, well, you trim the, trim the bushes, I see. Yeah, I did. They look terrible. <laughs> you know, like, just willy-nilly. But God is so precise. He'll never prune more than is necessary for us to bear the maximum amount of fruit. Amen. This is akin to another prayer that Jesus prayed in John 17. He says, Father, those whom you gave me, I have kept, and none of them is lost except the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Jesus acknowledged, yeah, look, some people have come, some people have gone, right? But those whom you gave me, none of them is lost. I've kept them. And that's the same thing for us. No one out here is lost. People choose this or that, right? They don't want to be a part of necessarily God's plan here. Okay, but look, none of them is lost. We've known what is going on. We've kept up. And the truth is, look, those whom you gave me. Remember Jesus and his ministry? Many people came around to Jesus and most left him at some point. You remember this? But God gave him the 12. And Judas was set on commanding his own destiny and charting his own course, as we see outlined prophetically in Scripture. But with us, God has shown us that we have lost no one or anything of what he has given us. You being here demonstrates that you are part of that, that he's given me to lead and steward and shepherd into the promised land and to equip you for the ministry that does that same thing for others as well. And our love and diligence in shepherding you ensures that none will be lost either because we are seekers. We are those that go after the one <laughs> and uh, bring that one back that may have just gotten a little off track rejoicing. I found that lost sheep. Here we are back home. Do you see how God is even addressing hearts during times that can feel like intense transition where we may even experience what Jesus did with people he was trying to minister to? This is how good God is. Now let's walk through examples right here at home in the rock from the initial Anaheim work and our ministry here in Hesperia. Before the pandemic, the rock had 18 congregations whose ministries were almost completely on campuses. But once COVID hit, everything shut down, as you remember. They were pruned. And then online ministry bursted forth with vigor. That would have never happened without that temporary pruning. 
But I also want you to notice something specific about us. Notice how God clued us in long before that and we kicked off our online ministry so that people who weren't in town and weren't available, they could still be with us without being in this room. God tipped us off early and we, start get, we started getting about it. See, God is not trying to keep things from us. He's trying to make us fruitful. And so he continues to speak. And as we continue to follow, we flow right in with his plans. All right. Then on May 31st, a whole new branch of ministry sprung forth. House churches. And between the rock and solid lives, there are about 200 uh, certified and non-certified house churches. Now that... In this organization where Anaheim campus has thousands and thousands of people and there are other campuses spread out all over the place and then there's a whole solid lives ministry out there. Now you have 200 or so house churches that sprung up and I want to tell you that we have at least eight from us. Eight out of 200, that's 4%, right? If I'm doing the math right. Of all house churches, that is no slouch. Congratulations. And who knows, I believe that there are house churches inside many of you that you're just waiting and this may just be that time for you to cross over. It's exciting. It's exciting. Let God inspire you to do it. As of this preaching, eight certified, 4%, and that's a great number. Okay, now campuses open services up in certain kinds of ways. And I'm not trying to pat myself on the back here or anything, but we were one of the first, if not the first, to get over to that park. <laughs> From here is over there. We went to that park and had services together outside in a way that we could be compassionate and compliant. <laughs> My two big C words. All right. Now, because of all this pruning, The Rock has not just one, not just two, but three major branches of ministry. Online ministry, house church ministry, and campus ministry. Only Father God could have done that. And now we have this BBST, Basic BFAM Strategy Training, and it's launched and is now bringing light and understanding to how all of these work together to bring in the largest ministry harvest we've ever seen. And by the way, if you haven't signed up for BBST, today is your day. I want you to sign up for BBST on your service card. And, and there's a checkbox that says, sign me up for basic BFAM strategy training on March 5th. That's when we're doing it. We're going to be in here in the building and online on Zoom. So, hey, however you want to engage, just engage. Because it is time to cross over. Let me give you another praise report. God is giving us strategic partners all around us to win our city's hearts to Jesus. One of those strategic partners is Hesperia Recreation and Parks District, who we lease from. They have renegotiated our lease payments, hallelujah, and we are looking at ways that we can work together to serve our community and build solid lives in our city. Who else but God could do that? Other people getting their rents raised and, and shutting down. Not us. We're thriving, keeping people, renegotiating leases and all of this with strategic partnership so that we can combine our combine forces like Voltron and get after this city and win people to Jesus. Amen. See, that's our gig is winning people to Jesus. They want to serve people. They want to drop, draw people in and, and build community and all that. But there are things we have common ground. We're going to seek that, build on that with that strategic partner. Seek this other thing, like with Restore Unity, we're going to be shepherding people together and build on that there. And all these pieces, God's fitting together. It's perfect. It is perfect. So here's the plan overall. And I don't know how much you know about this, but in the rock, uh, we... 
I didn't decide this, but we divided up the United States into seven different regions. Now, Jen and I have been invited and uh, appointed as regional pastors over San Bernardino County and the Western United States. <laughs> I know that sounds crazy, and it is a little crazy, but it's thrilling at the same time. But based on population currently of who attends The Rock, that's how we divided it up. And I'm going to Jethro this thing very soon. You know, I'm sure that people are going to be coming up as captains and that. All right, you take New Mexico or whatever, right? But all that to say, we've divided the U.S. up into seven regions. We're now installing city pastors over every city. And in each city, there will be many online ministries, perhaps even coming from you. I know that we already have online ministries flowing forth from rock people. Hallelujah. Like the God spot is one elevated faith with the Jeffersons. I'm pumped about it. See, God has ministries for you and you may not even know about it yet. So seek him. Stay diligent in prayer. Ask him, Lord, what do you want me to do? Number two, house churches. You may be Maybe it's you who has the next house church that's going to bring us up above eight, you know, and kick that number up. It's not about how good we look on some spreadsheet. It's about how many people that we're winning to Jesus and discipling as he instructed us. Amen. And in some cases, people are going to become right back here serving in campus ministry and maybe in conjunction with some other things as well in their online ministry or etc. As for our campus, your facilities director, Mark, your man and mine, Mark, I love him, is working diligently on a renovation plan that includes new flooring and paint in the multipurpose room, new paint in the worship center, and even expanding the kitchenette into a kitchen, like a full kitchen. And that will just increase our ability to serve in the ways that we're called to serve. Amen. Now, because we're a family-centric ministry, valuing young people every bit as much as us old people, <laughs> our youth strategy is currently forming as well so that they can equally be fruitful and multiply in legitimate ministry like their parents and grandparents. The youth room will be a midweek gathering place for young people to come and be trained to lead other people to a thriving faith in Jesus and multiply ministry that will extend far beyond their individual ability. Look, the statistics of how many kids we lose from the faith are staggering and horrific and would make you sick if you knew them. And in fact, I think we're going to tell you about those in the lab. So let me just say we are taking a stand as leaders of the rock on behalf of our young people and say, no, the line must be drawn here this far, no further. We will not stand for losing our children to the devil and to the world and to other things. no. All your children shall be taught of the Lord and great shall be the peace of your children. That's what we're going after. That's what we're going after. We have plans for our kids and youth and we'll discuss those in depth after service at the Rock Lab. So parents and guardians, this is a specific invitation to you. Join us for the lab today to hear these plans and start catching this vision. It's going to excite you. We're setting up our building for ministry entrepreneurship with many of our spaces being transformed into convertible spaces, work areas and meeting uh, spaces. And this is going to meet varied needs in the community. And we're going to schedule them. They're all going to be in order. And we're going to honor and show love to everyone who walks in our doors. All those who God calls to minister from this place out there, we're going to schedule it. They're going to have a place. Amen. God is good. And while all this is happening, we're preparing and developing Operation B-FAM. 
Be family and be fruitful and multiply, right? The new vision God has given the rock. So my job is to be a Joshua in all this, to get you across the Jordan and to help you inherit the land and bring other people across the Jordan too. The fulfillment of your calling from God is not just getting there yourself, but bringing others too. And so in doing so, I am going to create Joshua's out of all of you. So the role that I've been describing of myself is meant equally for you. In this, we're meant to rescue people out of darkness into light. So I'm going to Jerry Maguire this whole thing right now. Are you ready? I got my little goldfish. Who's coming with me? Right? <laughs> I'm going to ask for your help in executing this plan. Here's what I'm calling you to. And in here really is what you're meant to do because you've heard this message. Because God has brought you to your church today to hear his vision for you. This is what you're meant to do about it. Don't be hearers of the word only, deceiving yourselves, but be doers of the word. Number one, join us for BBST training. We're having a basic BFAM strategy training and you need to be a part of it. Number two, pray about what God is calling you to do. Perhaps online ministry, maybe starting a house church. How about serving in campus ministry? Even if you've never served here before, even if you've never set foot on this campus yet, maybe he has something for you here. Pray and ask him. He is the best director of those things. And number three, what I'm asking you to do is to support this effort financially above the tithe. Now, I I never want to be pushy, but I do want to be precise because I think that's helpful. As you give on push pay, I mean, you can write in the memo line of your check anything. It's like tithe, X amount, uh, heart for the harvest, Y amount or whatever, right? But on push pay, you kind of got to do two different transactions. And so what you do is you say, I give my tithe. It's 10%. This is what I know it is. And then you come back and you do it again. And you say, now this time I'm giving this amount of dollars to Heart for the Harvest. And in Hesperia, we have our own Heart for the Harvest fund. Every dollar that you give goes right here to those projects that God is calling us to do, as I've outlined. And so, again, I hope you don't feel like that's, you know, weird, but we've got to be precise or, or else we'll get into a, a situation where you're like, someone's given to camps, you know, it's like, well, we don't even do camps, you know, so what do we do with that? And so uh, we just want to make sure that you have an easy way to give and you know exactly where it's going because God is moving through you to give to those places. So we want to experience what God is saying to you. Amen. So Uh, Let me just say at this juncture, it's always wise to check that your giving is routing how you expect it to go. And so, you know, you've gotten your giving statements and all that. Check through those and just make sure that there's no auto select on your phone uh, outside of what you expect. All right. So uh, continue to give in those ways. But I'm inviting you to support this effort financially because God knows that it takes dollars, but he also has given us dollars to invest into his kingdom work. Amen. So it is time to cross over now. So we're going to be moving on these steps right now. Amen. Pastor Jerry shares his 2004 starting over story in his ministry, but we kind of have our own. In 2018, when we arrived here in Hesperia, we were appointed as pastors here. We essentially closed down so much activity. People would wonder, it feels like we're going backwards. It feels like things are like slowing way down. And how are we ever going to recover from this? No, God was saying something specifically to us. You need to congeal and come together in relationship and build family together. Like they don't know you, you don't know them. And, and so we really made that shift to, I want to know you I want to love you and be loved by you, right? And I want to, us to come together and forget all this frenzy, all this activity. Because look, the Lord knew what we needed 
from that time. That's why he told us to do it that way. He knew what we needed to be focused on becoming family and building relationships here and to be able to have a track record for this time of ditching frenetic activity, trying to carnival people into a relationship with Jesus. No, that's not what we're called to do. We're not called to circus people into loving Jesus. No, we're meant to build solid lives. We're meant to make disciples of all nations. And that's what we're about. So now we're in the groove and we're focusing on making disciples who are disciple makers. Amen. And we must be about our father's business. Mustn't we? (laughs) Mustn't we? We must be about our father's business because he's about to reveal how much he's entrusted the multitudes of replicating Jesus followers flowing through your ministry. I said your ministry. I'm so blessed that you are part of my spiritual family and that I'm part of yours. I'm blessed. So let's keep after God's plan of making disciples, not bigger churches, and making disciples of many nations, of all nations, and never allow ourselves to fall into the trap of building bigger barns, bigger churches, full of people who won't ever cross over into their promised land. No, God is helping us and he's focusing us. Let's pray and ask God right now in this commitment time what he's telling you to do. He is instructing. He's not just suggesting, by the way. When you hear and you get that prompt from God, you're like, no, Lord, I know you're stirring this in my heart. I can't ignore it. Don't ignore it. Let's ask him right now. Lord, you have such good plans for us and we acknowledge that you are good and your plans are good. We want your plans, not ours. I pray that even in this moment as our hearts are tender and open to you, that you would speak into our hearts your vision. What are you calling us to individually. We've heard, you know, corporately what we're preparing for. How do I fit in this structure? What, it's an open-handed structure. Lord, they're Pastor just telling me that I have all this in me. Lord, reveal it. Reveal it right now. Let the people be so inspired and enervated to cross over into their promised land. Make them Joshua's every bit as much as me. Because really the world is going to be won not from me, but from them. I'm meant to equip them. So Lord, help me to continue doing that to the best of my ability. And help them get it. Help them execute and do the word. Your Holy Spirit is the best teacher. And so we receive that. We receive the reminding that he does of Jesus' words to us. So when we falter or forget, it's right there to shore us back up. No, I have this for you. I've called you to this. The gifts and the calling that I've put on your life are irrevocable. I've not even changed my mind about you. Lord, you are so good to us. Thank you for your love and for your investment and for your direction. We will follow your voice in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.